Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. All right, now, uh, as we just uh, review very uh, simply here, uh, in our first session, we went through various psalm groupings and uh, found over the years when I've... uh, did uh, some uh, exposition on the Psalms. We have Messianic Psalms, Praise Psalms, Prayer Psalms, Devotional Psalms, one we looked at last week, uh, Personal Psalms, Didactic or Teaching Psalms, Worship Psalms, and tonight we're going to look at, uh, first of all, in our first session, Historical Psalms, and uh, this will be Psalm 105, 106. How many did not do your homework last week? (laughs) Okay, some of you probably weren't here. Uh, You should have read Psalm 105 and Psalm 106 and then also Psalm 150, the benediction. Now, believe it or not, uh, we're into the fourth book of of Psalms. Remember on the first night, I know it's a long way back, eight sessions back, but on the first night we said how uh, somebody had divided the Psalms up into uh, the Pentateuch. And just as Moses gave five books on the Pentateuch, uh, so David gave five books on the Psalms. They attribute uh, because of uh, most of him. And so now we come to the book of Numbers, or Numbers here, uh, in the historical Psalms, Psalm 105 and Psalm 106. Um, I'd like you to turn to a couple of scriptures you've got on your notes there. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, and it's just always good to remind uh, ourselves of these things because sometimes we think, oh, the book of Psalms, fancy studying that, seeds from Psalms, how boring. I hope it hasn't been boring. Yes. Amen. All right, so First Corinthians chapter 10, glance over the verses there, and uh, Paul talks about uh, in verse 1 how our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, all baptized under Moses. Uh, into Moses uh, in the cloud and in the sea, drank of the spiritual food, drank of the uh, same spiritual drink, drank of that spiritual rock. He's not spiritualizing away the miracles, but he's seeing that within the natural there is the spiritual. And that's true when it comes to, as we mentioned uh, last week of communion, that rock was Christ, that rock was anointed. And then in verse uh, 6 he says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So Paul's going back to, uh, uh, if I remember here, like Exodus 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, into 17. All those chapters he covers in uh, like one interpretive verse. And he says, all these things happen to them for examples and types for us that we should not lust after evil things. And then he goes on into the book of Numbers, Uh, In verse 7, and do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, and don't let us commit fornication. As some of them committed and fell in one day, uh, 23 and 20,000, I'm reading from two two translations, 23,000, don't let us tempt Christ, as some of them were tempted and were destroyed of uh, of the serpents. 
and don't complain or murmur as some of them did. So he just goes through some examples from the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. And then in verse 11 he says, Now all these things happened to them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. Therefore let him that who, take, who thinks he, he stands take he lest he fall. So the reason we go back to so much in the Old Testament, and we're, particularly we've been doing this in Seeds from Psalms, is that these things happened to them for examples to us. They were types uh, but they were not types to them. You know, as they're passing through the Red Sea, plucking fish out of either side, they didn't say, isn't this a wonderful type we're passing through? It was a real experience. But God takes the real experience that they went through and then they become types and shadows, examples to us, and that we can go back to them to learn lessons. Uh, go to one other scripture you've got on your notes there, Romans 15 and verse 4 which confirms the same thing, Romans 15 and verse 4. And uh, just, you know, if people say, to you, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual man, I'm a New Testament man, say, no, I'm a Bible man. Everybody said amen. amen. We need both Old and New Testament. And then in verse 4 uh, of Romans 15, he says, for what, what, whatsoever things were written uh, for uh, a time or before were written for our learning. So we... Hope we've been learning some things from seeds from Psalms that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So these things were written for our, our learning, our admonition, and it gives us patience and comfort. And so that's why we've been studying the Psalms. Now, uh, believe it or not, as we go through uh, looking at all our lessons, uh, lesson one, we looked at introductory why we study the Psalms. And those scriptures I think I gave you already. Uh, Psalm 1 we looked at. Uh, Psalm of the righteous and the ungodly man that all the world's divided basically into two camps. And then the next week we looked at uh, session 3. Psalm 19, the psalm of creation, redemption. And then uh, uh, we, in our second session we did three psalms together. How many remember what they were? The shepherd psalms. Psalm 22, crucifixion. Psalm 23... Jesus, the good shepherd, and the, uh, the, good, the good shepherd, and what's, what's the next one? Anyway, Psalm 23, the good one, and then the chief shepherd, Psalm 24. And then uh, last week, we looked at Psalm 63, uh, related to a couple of other psalms, Psalms of the Soul, devotional psalm, and then uh, last, our second session last week, we looked at Psalm 133. And Psalm 110, the Psalm of the Aaronic Priesthood and the Melchizedek Priesthood. So when Jesus died on the cross, he abolished and fulfilled everything that was shadowed forth in the Aaronic Priesthood and uh, introduced the Melchizedek Priesthood, of which all of us are a part. We are supposed to be, because you and I are called to be kings and priests. So you're looking at King Connor, not King Kong, okay, <laughs> King Connor tonight. Uh, that's if I'm fulfilling my role. And priest, when we, so the priest is the inward approach to God as we worship, and king is the outward approach to the world where we conquer principalities and powers and walk in victory as kings and queens. So don't leave yourself out to you ladies. Everybody said amen. Okay, so tonight we want to look at Psalm, uh, Psalms 105, 106, historical Psalms, uh, particularly dealing with uh, Israel's history. And then in our final session, we're going to look at the doxology, uh, Psalm 150. All right, now let's just read off your notes here. 
introductory. There are several psalms, give, uh, several psalms given over to the chosen nation and their history under God. Several verses in the above psalms uh, sweep over Israel's history, summarizing book after book uh, in the ongoing purposes of God in the nation, in that nation. These things were written for our types and examples, as we've just read, as well as for our instruction, comfort, and, uh, and, uh, and learning. Okay, now what I'd like you to do here, because uh, in Psalm 105 and Psalm 106, we'll come uh, to a little bit more detail in a moment here. Uh, they are both having to do with Israel's history. So what I'd like you to do is, I'm sorry I'm not a very good writer here, but uh, I'd like you to uh, do our little famous timeline here. That's supposed to be a straight line, but my arm hurts a bit tonight. Okay, and then just put down here, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 105 a little bit, and then you can put another line through here somehow. And then down here, we're going to be uh, looking a bit more time at Psalm 106. Now, I'd like you to, if you've got an extra bit of paper here, break this up into one, two, uh, three, four, five will do. Now, what, what we're going to find together, just in the overview of these psalms here, we're actually covering four or five books of the Old Testament. So first of all, let me just take this over here so I remember. Okay, the first book we cover is the book of Genesis. Okay, I won't put the whole word up there. And then the next book we cover in, uh, here is the book of Exodus. And then we skip Leviticus. And then we uh, jump into Numbers, the book of Numbers. And then we go to the book of Joshua. And then we uh, end up in the book of Judges. So, so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whoever wrote these Psalms, they're sweeping over whole chapters and whole books of history. And remember, these things happen to them for types and examples written for our admonition. So what can we learn? Okay, so Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Joshua, and Judges uh, are woven throughout these two Psalms. So I'm going to give you some verses in a, in a while here. But let's go over to Psalm 105, first of all. Psalm 105. And as I said on the first night, you know, keys to understand the Psalms, help us to understand the Psalms, is knowing the life story of David, knowing the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, Temple of Solomon, uh, Israel's history, so many things. In other words, you almost have to know uh, the rest of the Bible to understand uh, the, the book of Psalms. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 105. All right, now, as you've got on your notes, just the outline here, just a few on this. Now, uh, in, in number one here, Psalm 105, the Abrahamic covenant psalm. And in verses one through to six, we have the exhortation to uh, praise and seek God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous work, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those uh, rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face. Uh, evermore, remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of, uh, of his mouth. 
O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob. So verses 1 through to 6 is uh, all those things we're to do. Give thanks to the Lord. Everybody said, thank the Lord. Amen. We call upon his name, the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, make known his deeds. We sing to him. And we do that when we have our uh, regular meetings. Sing psalms to him. Uh, though we don't sing the psalms like we should, or we used to. Okay, talk of his word. Glory. So rejoice. Uh, seek the Lord. The whole emphasis is seeking the Lord and his marvelous work. So that whole, whole section, verses 1 through to 6. Now, I'd like you to make a note of this if you've got some room there. As I was going through these two psalms and just refreshing my memory because it's ages since I've done them, I found that the personal, uh, not the personal name, but the uh, references to the person of God, uh, I can break it up for you if you like, but this whole psalm, Psalm 105, is all about him. And the word he, and a lot will depend on your translations, of, I, I guess, too. But the word here in the translations I've got here is used at least 26 times. Now, you'll see the significance of this in a moment, at least 26 times. And then he is, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. And uh, his name, he did it for his namesake and he sent his word. Uh, his is used at least 15 times. And then the word him, uh, only uh, one reference, I, uh, I see that I could have missed some, so forgive me if I have. But a total of 42 times uh, are the references to God. He did this. He brought them out. He, and it's him, and it's his work. So the whole of Psalm 105 actually glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ or glorifies God in the Old Testament, Okay. That's him. Now, while we're there, uh, anticipating why I said all that, when you go to Psalm 100, 106, I'm going to give you a breakdown on that. Uh, he is hardly mentioned at all. Uh, do you know what the key word... <laughs> I mean, this was a shock to me. The key word in uh, Psalm 106 is they. They murmured. They complained. They growled. They, 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 they. It's all about them where Psalm 105 is all about him and his grace, but Psalm 106 is all about they, them, we, there. Growl, growl, growl. I wouldn't like to belong to that church, the Church of the First Murmurs. Okay. All right. So that's the picture you have, uh, and that's a real key to understanding the, the, uh, these two Psalms. Psalm 105 is entirely to do with the grace of God and what God did for Israel, entirely by grace. They couldn't do anything for themselves or of themselves. He did it. But when you come to Psalm 106, they did, they did, they did, they, they, they. It's just a terrible bunch, as we'll see. All right, now, on your notes back to Psalm 105 here. Now, the second section, in verses 1 to 23, this is the Genesis book. And if you want to put the particular verses here on Psalm 105... Verses 18, no, sorry, correction. Verses 8 to 23 is the Genesis book and sweeps over whole chapters here, or whole, yeah, of the book. There are four, four particular men that are mentioned here, and I'll come to them in a moment. So, verses 1 to 23 
is to deal uh, to, uh, the, the, it deals with the, uh, the Genesis book. Okay, sorry, I'm thinking too fast here. Verse 8, and if you underline your Bible here, the key word in this passage is to do with covenant. I'm going to give you another uh, few thoughts in a moment, but just bear with me. He has remembered his covenant. He remembers his covenant forever. Underline covenant. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Even if you took a generation for 70 years or 40 years, that's 40,000 years. So it's used in a symbolic sense here. The covenant which he made with Abraham. Now notice the three fathers here. Abraham and his oath to Isaac. And remember when we did uh, last week about the, the oath of the priesthood. Under the Aaronic priesthood, none of the priests were given the oath of an eternal priesthood because of, uh, by reason of death and succession. Whereas Melchizedek is given the oath of an eternal priesthood, everlasting priesthood. And if it was given to the Old Testament Melchizedek and now it's given to Jesus, you can't have two high priests with the same oath. So that's why I believe, <clears throat> pardon me, that uh, Melchizedek was a Christophany, or for those who are theologians, uh, Christophany is a, a, uh, a theophany. It's, a, it's an appearance of Christ. Uh, it's, a, a, yeah, it's a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ before his incarnation. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so a Christophany. And then in verse uh, 9 onwards, and his oath to Isaac, so the covenant made to Abraham, and the oath to Isaac, and then in verse 10, and confirmed to Jacob. So the covenant, the oath, the confirmation for a statue, then to Israel as an everlasting covenant, um, saying to you, I will give you the land of Canaan, uh, God willing and my health willing, uh, they've asked me to do another advanced track the end of the year, and I think I'm looking at uh, what I call what about series. What about Israel? What about Jerusalem? What about the Middle East? What, what about the Arab nation? What's going on? How many think that would be? Yeah. So pray for me uh, that my health and everything hangs on. Okay, so they're hot issues today. And uh, that's what I'm thinking of. And I have permission from the powers that be. Oof. <laughs> uh, saying, unto thee I will give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, and so forth. Okay, so all of it has to do with the Genesis book. And one other man I want you to put down there, and that is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then go down to verse 16. Verse 16. And it says, moreover, he called a famine upon, I mean, there's so much in here, even I get blown away. He called a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. And so there was a famine in the time of Abraham, a famine in the time of Isaac. There's a famine in the time of Jacob. And God used the famine to get Jacob to take his 70 souls down to Egypt, where they became a great nation. Think of what's going on in Egypt recently. Well, uh, when I go to these nations, I read some of the prophetic words from the prophets, what they say about the nations. Then in verse um, 17, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. 
They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until, everybody say until. See, until the time that his word came to pass, God's timing, the word of the Lord tested him, tried him. So you have four major people there, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph, and then Israel itself. Now, if you can squeeze in your notes here, I'd like you to put on here the covenant promise of the land. Okay, the covenant promise of the land. Big issue, who does the land really belong to? What about this, that, and the other? Okay, Uh, covenant land, the covenant promise of the land. Okay, now, then we go down to the next section, and uh, this is on your notes here. Uh, The covenant in action, verses 24 to 41, and you can put that up there. And this is dealing with the Exodus book, verse 24 to 41. That's why you've got to know Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and so forth. Okay, so uh, the, the Exodus book, and this is covered in verses 24 to 41. And uh, wh- what this deals with, you'll notice it deals with the, the plagues. Let me just tear, tear that off. Exodus book, verses 23 to 41. Here in verses 23... You'll just, I mean, you're supposed to have read this. 23 to 25, the infant, infant nation. Then verses 26 to 27 is Moses and Aaron. He sent them down. Uh, Moses and Aaron, he, verse 26, he sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. That's all book of Exodus. Then verses 28 through to 36, you'll find he deals with the plagues. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. They, uh, yeah, I'm just getting the translation. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters to blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs. <laughs> That's why I never say I've got a frog in my throat now when I found it was an unclean spirit. Uh, <laughs> Even the chambers of their kings. Uh, my wife is a bit of a frog uh, at night. She's cold. Uh, anyway, he spoke and there came... I'm just sorry, thinking out loud. Uh, s- swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. They were lousy. He gave them hail for rain. See, plague after plague, he's dealing with. And I, I made a list of the plagues. Plague of darkness, the ninth plague. Waters to blood, the first plague. The fish died, the frogs, uh, the swarms of flies, the fourth plague, the lice, the third plague, hail and rain and lightnings, the seventh plague, locusts, the eighth plague, the f- and then the, the, uh, the death of the firstborn, the tenth plague. So plague after plague. So this is all dealing with the, the, the book of Exodus. And then as you go through the rest of the, uh, that psalm there, have to keep moving. Uh, midnight they departed, verses 38, 37-38, with silver and gold. That was all their pay for slave labor of, of several hundred years. And also that was what they were going to give to the Lord to build the tabernacle. Healing. And then the pillar of cloud and fire, the quails and the manna, waters from the rock. All that there. Now, what I'd like you to put up here on the next part is... This is the covenant promise of the land 
And now this is their departure to the land. So this is the promise of the land, of the land promise. And now Exodus, the book of Exodus, is their departure to the land. Now, it doesn't deal with uh, Leviticus particularly, only refers to statutes and, and judgments. But now it moves way over to the Joshua book. Okay, so the Joshua book is found in verses, oh, I, I do need to put something up here. How many remember, uh, and, and we'll, we'll deal this later on more, the promise of the land, Exodus, they're delivered from bondage and they're on the way to the land. What was the sad thing that happened in the book of Numbers? So it's not in, in this, it's in this next psalm, but not this psalm. Does anybody remember in Numbers 13 and 14 what happened? Moses sent 12 spies search out the land, and ten of the spies brought back bad report. So it's a great land, but there's giants there. Only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, could report. Now, here's the challenge to all of us, particularly any of us in leadership. They were all leaders. And they robbed a generation for 40 years through unbelief. They said it's a great land, but... And so you can put this down here. I'll deal with it more later on. Um, let me ask you a question here. Uh, how many believe that God never breaks a promise? Hands up. How many are fighting to get in court? Hands up. How many have still got a lying spirit? Okay, here's the thing. Did you know that God can give a breach of promise? How many know what breach of promise is? Okay, now listen to it. God says, when they rejected the land, so this is what I want you to put here, rejected the land, so land rejected. Then we're told in the good old King James on this one, he said, you will know my breach of promise. Now you say, oh, well, God can't break a promise. No. He won't break a promise, but do you know what he does? He postpones it. Forty years. Forty years he postponed his promise until the next generation that would believe it. So God, and, and, and this is always a challenge to me because I, I know I'm an old man and I'm feeling that. But you see, back in my time, there was a real move of the Holy Spirit. But who robbed a lot of churches and denominations throughout the world? I'll make it general here. Leaders said, don't touch it. It's not God. And they robbed a whole generation. I just feel I'm 84. I don't look like 84, do I? I, I feel it. Okay. But uh, God kept uh, Moses, uh, uh, God kept Joshua and Caleb alive. So I feel I'm Caleb. With you generation, you young bucks, you've got to enter in and not postpone it again. See, breach your promise. And the 40 years here, I'm getting sidetracked here, but it must be for someone, was never God's will. God blessed them. He blessed them to death. You got it. Physically. They said, would God we died in the wilderness? And God said, okay, you pronounce your own funeral service, you're going to die. 
I told you last week, when Joshua heard, oh, this last man is just about to die. What generation he's from? Let him die. I've been wandering around for 40 years. Anyway, okay, that's enough on that. You get something out of that? Okay, so rejection of the land. Now, so that's not dealt with there. That's dealt with here. Anyway, so anticipating. All right, now we come to the Joshua book. And for the verses here, you can put, uh, put uh, verses 42 to 45. And this is dealing with the Joshua book. Oh, thank you. Trima Cassie. Okay, so we go down to verse uh, 42. Let's pick that up here. Big long psalm here. He, uh, 42. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy. And remember, this is the second generation now, the new generation. His chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, the Canaanites in other words. And they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his law. Laws praise the Lord. So just a brief reference to the... Uh, the uh, book of Joshua, the Joshua book, the promised land, promised Abraham, but it was to the new generation. If you want to put that there, you can. The second generation. So there was generation after generation, and, and uh, I, I, I don't know why I'm quicken on this, but you see, ha- having studied church history, every time God moved into visitation or revival, there were always, always, not all, but always leaders who robbed their congregations, and rob generations of entering into the promises of God. And if you understand that, that's why we have so many denominations today. Because every denomination says, oh, we believe the Bible. I say, which part? People say to me, oh, well, I'm an Acts 2 church. I say, which part? Eh? And then I know, without mentioning anybody, you know, I think of, oh, well, we believe in... Uh, uh, repentance, yeah. Well, if you're next to church, what about water baptism? Oh, no, we, we don't believe in that. Uh, and then, oh, well, we believe in water baptism and repentance and faith, but what about speaking tongues? Oh, we don't believe that. So, well, you're not next to church. And so we have created our denomination, sorry to say this, around a fragment of truth instead of believing what the Bible says. I want to be a Bible-believing Christian, don't you? Everybody said amen. And so I want to belong to a church that believes the Bible and not say, well, we just pick out the parts that suit us. See, and that's one of the reasons we have so many uh, 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 denominations because we only pick out fragments of the Bible that we want to believe. Thank you. I've got that off my chest now. That must have been for someone. Who was that for? Put up your hand. Okay. All right, I think that's enough on Psalm 105. Did you get something out of that? Now, Psalm 106 is the worst psalm. It's the worst one. So let's go to our notes here. Emphasis in this psalm is upon they. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord is seen, but all is followed by repeated failures of the chosen nation, and the outline of the psalm is seen in the following. So again, we have verses 1 through to 6, very similar to the previous one. Praise, prayer, and confession. And so uh, we'll read that a bit there. Uh, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. 
Who can understand the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare uh, all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. So verses 1 through to 6, very similar to the previous psalm, having to do with praise, prayer, and confession. Praise, verses 1 to 3, off your notes. Uh, Prayer, verses 4 and 5, and confession, verse 6. Now, in verses 7 through to 12, as you've got on your notes there, we go to uh, the book of Exodus and Egypt. So what I'd like you to do there is, uh, you've got it on your notes there, I've done this one for you. Verses 7, uh, we we skip Genesis here. So verses 7 to 12, Psalm 106, and it has to do with the the Exodus, the book of Exodus. Now, let me give you a breakdown of they and them and we and there in this chapter. It's terrible. Uh, They, and if I've missed one or two, please forgive me. Okay, you you check your translation. They is mentioned, (laughs) they is, they are mentioned 20 times, maybe... More or less, okay. Them is mentioned 14 times. Then we is mentioned at least three times. And and then the word there is mentioned 18 times. So that's 20, 30, 40, 48, 50, 52, 55, about 55 times. It's all on them, they and them, and we, (laughs) you know. Now, this is very sad, but I want you to pick up some lessons here. You know, I challenge my own heart. In uh, in the book of Exodus, this is the language you have. Let's go to verse uh, 7 to 12 anyway and read a bit. Our fathers understood not your wonders. Uh, Verse 7, yeah. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Lack of understanding. They saw the wonder, but they didn't understand what it was all about. And then, second, they, they did not remember the multitude of your mercies. But we bowed by the sea, the Red Sea. So, you know, all the signs and wonders, the plagues and death of the firstborn and everything like that, they just didn't understand. Wow. And, you know, such a prayer in the Bible, in one of the Psalms there, Lord, give me understanding, give me understanding, give me understanding. Help my understanding. And uh, they did not remember. How many of us have a good forgettery? (laughs) How many remember what Mark preached on uh, Saturday, 4 o'clock? If you were here. Do you remember Mrs. Connor? What was it about? Stand up and speak up, loud and clear. You've got to be an example of a perfect wife. Come on. What was it? To obey. To obey. Everybody having, yeah. Obey. Yeah, we're to obey here. You know, people sometimes when I go, Rena and I go away and... uh, Say, oh, you should have been here last Sunday. Mark preached a fantastic word. What was it about? Oh, it was just, it was just out of this world. Yeah, but what was it about? 
It was really good. You should get the tape. But what was about? Well, it was something from the Bible. Now you're laughing with me, not at me, okay? Because we don't remember. Eh? And, and, and people sometimes say to my wife and I, Kevin, we see you nearly every meeting you're here. You're always taking notes. You've been there, done that. You must know all this. I, I take notes, just for those who haven't heard this, I take notes for two or three reasons. One is to be an example to all the rest of you people that don't take notes. <laughs> Number two is it encourages the preacher. And sometimes people say to me, you took notes on my message. I said, yeah, that's your claim to fame. <laughs> and they tell everyone, Kevin Connor was at my meeting and took notes on my message. And then three, if it's really good, I could always preach it. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry about that. And then oh, I should give you this fourth one. Sometimes my, my wife, Reen, is a wonderful woman. She takes wonderful notes. And years and years and years ago, I did a series on the Ten Commandments. And then I asked Reen, have you got any notes of what I did? And so I typed up my book on law and grace from a lot of her notes. <laughs> they were so good. I said, did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> did I say that? Wow, that was a powerful message. Did I really say? She said, well, I took down notes. Anyway, okay, so, yeah, so understanding, not remember, and then read your notes here. I've pretty well, I've gone through these verses and I've looked at all these nasty words. They rebelled. And then what did God do? He saved them. He rebuked the Red Sea. He led them. He redeemed them from their enemies. Think of the Egyptians getting baptized in the Red Sea by triple immersion. They were dead. And then it ends up, age, then they believed and sang his praise. Oh, goody, goody, we believe God. Well, what are you doing? Not understanding, not remembering and rebelling and murmuring. Huh. Okay, now the next one is, it goes now, jumps to Leviticus and jumps to the book of Numbers. And so you've got your notes there. Oh, by, by the way, I want to give you the chapters that are covered in each section. In the book of Exodus, uh, the place is Egypt, and the book is ex uh, Exodus, and the chapters that are covered are Exodus chapter 13 and 14. Exodus 13 and 14, the chapters there, so the details are from there. Then we go to uh, the book of Numbers now, and the place is the wilderness, and verses 13 to 18, you can put down here. Verses 13 to 18. And, 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 and we're dealing with the book of Numbers. And the chapters that are covered, let's go to those verses. We won't read them all because that's your job. In verse uh, 13, it says, uh, where are we? They soon forgot. <laughs> I underline that word forgot. They soon forgot. How many remember what I preached last Sunday? No, I won't do that to you. Uh, they did not wait for his counsel, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, and they tested God in the desert. 
tempted or tested God in the desert. I got a list of the ten temptations. And what did he do? do what did he do? He gave their request, but sent leanness into their soul. We're tired of manna. We're tired of seeds from no, seeds from no. We're not. And he gave them flesh. Who will give us flesh to eat? And God gave them flesh. So, you know, sent leanness into their soul. Wow. And I've seen this over the years. And then uh, the next one is, they envied Moses and Aaron in the camp. And Aaron, the saint of the Lord. And the earth opened and swallowed them. Swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of, of Abiram. A fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. Wow. Terrible. So the chapters that are covered there are Numbers 16 and 17. That's chapters. Then, in the next few verses, we go back to the book of Exodus. And we go back to Mount Sinai. And the, and the verses you've got there, you've got them in your notes, verses 19 to 23. So down here... You can put 19 to 23. So back to the book of Exodus before he goes on. And just pick up a couple of verses here. Uh, Verses 24. And we're told. Yea, or then they, they despised the pleasant land. The very land, now listen carefully to this because I'm seeding some things here. The very land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The very land that God brought them out of Egypt for, to the land. Now they despise the land and this is all the rejection of the land. They despise the land. And said, would to God we go back to Egypt. And they believed not his word. Note the emphasis on they. And then, it's on your notes there, they murmured in their tents or complained and hearkened not to his voice. They did not heed his voice. So what happened? God overthrew them in the wilderness. So right through A through to E has to do with Numbers chapter 13 and 14. There the chapters covered just in those sweeping statements. So I've already given you that. There. And then in a letter F and verse uh, 20, oh, verse 28, they joined themselves also to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead and they provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. So the chapters that are covered under F, G, H and I as numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, 25. So all those chapters, one, two, three, four chapters. So a principle of interpretation I'm giving here is that the... uh, The book of Psalms or the New Testament often sweeps over whole chapters in one interpretive phrase or one interpretive verse. So people say, well, where'd you get that? How can you uh, deal with that chapter on that? Say, because one verse in the New Testament interprets, it gives one interpretive verse of this whole chapter. Everybody understand what I'm saying? 
Thank you for that underwhelming response. All right, J, K, and I, and you notice they, 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 they. And so they angered God at the waters of strife, and that Moses missed the promised land for his rash speech. God said to him, strike the rock. No, God said, speak to the rock. And poor Moses, I, I, I feel, I sympathize with Moses. How many would like to have been pastor of the church in the wilderness? Forget it. And he got mad. He said, well, must we fetch water out of this rock? And God said, okay. To whom much is given, more is required. You're not going into the promised land. He did see it on the Mount of Transfiguration, just a uh, a brief preview. I'm sorry for him. And then it says they rebelled against his spirit. The chapter that's dealt with there is Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. So you see how Numbers 13, 14, Numbers 20, 22, 23, 24, 25, all dealt with in that. Now the worst one is, and we'll go to here, uh, we go now, uh, Joshua, we go to Judges down here, and they are in the land. So note the progression. Promise of the land. Exodus to the land. Rejection of the land. New generation, they are in the land. Second generation. And you think that they would learn from the first generation. But the old saying is, the only thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. And so, verses 34 through to 66. Deals with this generation. And they are just bad news. Let me just read off your notes. Our time's almost up. So letter A, they did not destroy the Canaanites. And if, uh, if you want to put Judges chapter 1 down here, six times it says about the tribes there, Neither did they destroy the Canaanite, neither did they, neither did uh, uh, the tribe of Dan, neither did Asher, neither did. Over and over again, neither did they. So they compromised. That's the sin of compromise. They compromised with the Canaanites, married their daughters, intermarried and so forth. They mingled with the Gentiles. They learnt their works. They served their idols and were snared. And listen to how bad this is. I mean, this is the chosen nation. They even sacrifice sons and daughters to demons. Devil worship. Sacrificing your own children. They shed innocent blood of sons and daughters. They sacrifice them to the idols of Canaan. And see, we, you know, people often say to me, or sometimes say to me, Kevin, why was God so ruthless on the Canaanites and that for? When you go to the book of, of Leviticus, you'll find all these terrible sins. Homosexuality, bestiality, sex with animals. Sorry to say it. Read it there. Sacrificing their children and their babies to Moloch. And, and they would have this big statue of Moloch and then they would uh, put the fire on there and they would sacrifice the firstborn, the babies, to Moloch in the arms. And in order to drown out the screams of the children, they would have the tom-toms, the drums playing, the beating of the drums. See, we, we forget all that. We don't read it. 
And that's why God said, okay, I want you to destroy the Canaanites. Don't compromise. All right, our time's just about up. The land was polluted. They were defiled by their own works. They played the harlot. By their deeds, God's wrath was kindled against them. God abhorred his own inheritance. God gave them to the hands of the Gentiles. Book of Judges, Judges chapter 2 and onwards. Uh, they hated them. They ruled over them. They were oppressed and subjected. Many times God delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel. They were brought low for their iniquity. God regarded their affliction and cry, grace of God. God remembered covenant. God gave them mercy and pity even through their captors. And what you'll find is the, the verses seem to go from the seven ser servitudes in the book of Judges right through to the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. This is the chosen nation. Okay, as we finish and take a break here. The key words in, is, uh, in this chapter is that they, that, uh, uh, that they failed to understand, they forgot, they provoked, they tempted God, they angered him, they lusted, they rebelled, they did not believe. Even though this was the chosen nation, they had seen the signs and wonders of Almighty God. Such is the state of the human heart through the fall, apart from the redeeming and restraining grace of God. These things are written for our examples, so that we might not follow in their steps, even as new covenant believers. Everybody said amen. amen. So these things were written. And the last thing I want you to write down there, by these Psalms, we learn what not to do, and we appreciate the grace of God. We learn what not to do, and we appreciate the grace of God. Everybody said amen. Be sure to pick up a copy of Kevin Connor's verse-by-verse -verse exposition on the book of Psalms, available in Australia from word.com.au and internationally from Amazon in paperback and Kindle formats, and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop.